is up everybody to the nations worldwide this is episode 86 of the travel couple podcast where we introduce you to a couple of travelers who offer their advice on how you can travel the world together while earning money living that travel lifestyle we are your hosts mike pletz and natalie tune in every wednesday as we interview couples living a travel lifestyle get relationship advice about being on the road with your significant other listen how others are struggling and thriving in their personal and business lives while traveling the world this is your one-stop podcast for travel relationship and business goals. In this episode, we are joined by Leah and Jeremy of Practical Wanderlust. They're an American travel couple. Jeremy teaches and Leah blogs, and they both travel. We talk with them about how they balance all of this together, how you can start a blog, their interesting travel predicaments, and beginning their podcast. So without further ado, here's our interview with Leah and Jeremy. Today, we are joined by Leah and Jeremy or you can refer to them as Lieremy of Practical Wanderlust. They are an accident-prone American travel couple who took a disastrous honeymoon, as I am sure we'll be hearing more about in this episode. He teaches, she blogs at practicalwanderlust.com. Hello, Leah and Jeremy, and welcome to the show. Hey. Hi, thanks for having us. Great to be here. And I love that you called us by our couple name, Learamy. Yeah. Thank you for that. <laughs> I'm glad I got that pronunciation right because I didn't know how well that was going to go down, <laughs> but that's great. <laughs> so let's just get started here. I want to I get to learn more about the two of you. I know you have an amazing About Us page on your website that everyone can check out, but can you give our audience a little bit of a rundown about your background, where the two of you met, and how things evolved from there? So we met on an online dating site that is not Tinder. Yeah. This was the pre-Tinder era. So like all great romances. <laughs> and we actually I like I was like 21 and I like just needed like a confidence boost, so I set up a joke profile and Jeremy thought it was funny um and started messaging me and I forgot to log in except for when it was like Friday night and I was drunk and feeling lonely. So for like a year, we only messaged like sporadically. It made me feel really appreciated. Great. That's <laughs> a good start to our relationship. Um, and then eventually I was like, I think I'm ready for an actual relationship. And we met up and we've been disgustingly inseparable um, ever since then here in Oakland and sometimes all over the world too. Amazing. And then you two got married uh, shortly after that, or how did that evolve into a marriage? Um, actually, so it was kind of funny. When we first started dating, Leah had a lot of like, I don't know. He doesn't really have his stuff together. It was like a month. Yeah. It took a and month. And then after that month, it was like immediately like, oh, this is like a forever thing. Yeah. And we actually, Leah had this big trip planned, which later became our honeymoon. And a little while in, a little while in, she was like, "Is this something that you're going to be with me for?" Or I like laid it out on like date number four. I was like, "Listen, I'm gonna be taking a trip. Are you coming or are we ending this now?" And he was just like, "Yeah, that sounds fun." So uh, that was it. So we were dating for like a like a year, and then we got engaged, and we were engaged for a year and a half, and got married. And then we took off on our honeymoon like a month after we got married. I really would recommend not planning a very long trip and a wedding at the same time. Just general rule of thumb. That's an awful idea. Nobody should ever do that. Um, it was the worst. 
with your two backgrounds, did one really love travel? Where did you grow up traveling and, and influence the other to get out there and traveling more? Or did you both come into this relationship with a love of travel? I did not do a lot of traveling growing up. My family would mostly take like shorter or short-ish road trips uh, throughout California. We would go camping or visit our relatives down south or in Mexico. Um, we took one really long road trip, but for the most part, I didn't have a lot of travel growing up. He had actually never even left the time zone when right. we met. And I had grown up traveling. My family um, travel is kind of part of my family's story. Um, and I did grow up with quite a bit more privilege than Jeremy had, um, which is something that really factors into travel. So it wasn't like that he didn't want to travel. It was just that he hadn't had the opportunity to, um, which did not stop him from agreeing to come on a year long trip around the world for me. Cause it was, it was always in there. The desire, I think. I mean, who would turn <laughs> that down? I mean, that's true. So I like to start out by asking a simple two-word question to all the couples that come on the show. It's a very simple two-word question, but for so many couples, it has such a complex response. And that is, why travel? Like I said, my family grew up traveling, um, and I got the opportunity to go with them on a lot of trips growing up. And I actually have a travel idol, uh, which is my grandmother, my late grandmother, Katie. She traveled all over the world my entire life. I remember asking my mom, where's Katie this month? Because she was almost never in town. She was off like hiking through Nepal or like hiking Machu Picchu, um, even when she was in her 60s and 70s. So to me, travel was something that I associated with like strong, independent women in my family. Um, and my dad traveled too. like everybody in my family has done like a backpacking thing um, or something like that. And so for me, it felt like a rite of passage to do something like that. And I think the appeal of travel for me is like getting out of your comfort zone, not only inspires personal growth, um, but I think it shapes the way that you interact with the world. I think it builds empathy, compassion, understanding about people and cultures that are different from you. And it helps you shape who you are and the kind of person that you want to be and the impact that you want to have on the world. So it's something that I not only inherited from my family, but had developed a relationship with at a young age um, and appreciation of as well. And for me, I was I hadn't really done much travel without my family as an adult. So for me, the, the rite of passage of it was was also really desirable. A big part of it is expanding your worldview and expanding your experiences I grew up in a, you know, town in California and all of my education was very like Eurocentric rewriting of history. And for me, travel is an opportunity for you to see other cultures and other experiences and how lives that you might not have even imagined exist, how they live. Uh, it expands it like broadens your understanding of the world. And like you said, your place in the world and how you want to interact with it. I always tell my students that my big life goal is to leave the world better than I found it. Mm -hmm. And I think travel is a big part of that because you get to see the other side. And directly impacts developing communities. Totally. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I love, I love everything that you talked about there and exactly what I was talking about when Couples having such a complex response to that to that simple question for sure. Now, where were the two of you last? Where are you right now? And then where are you going to be traveling to next? So this time last week, we were in New Jersey because it was Thanksgiving. 
Um, and my sister lives out in New Jersey, so we were spending some quality family time. Well, this time last week, we were actually in New York. Because oh, you're right. My students visited us for Thanksgiving, and we took them to Manhattan. Yes. So New York slash New Jersey, which I kind of lump into one, honestly, <laughs> from California. And right now, we are in Oakland, California, which is where we live. Um, we've lived here for like 10 years, and we love it here. And then next trip is Lake Tahoe. And then after that, um, that's like a little weekend trip we're doing with friends. And then after that, we're going to France for Christmas markets and New Year's, which I'm really excited about. Very excited about that. We're specifically going to Colmar and Strasbourg and like a day in Paris. Mm -hmm. Incredible. Have you two been to France before or is this going to be the first time? This is going to be my third or fourth time. Jeremy's second time. And the last time... Last time did not go well. Did not go well. Not good. <laughs> we uh we got a BMW stuck in a castle. Yeah. So. Oh wow. Is this something that we're going to be talking about in the next few uh, questions, including your worst travel experience or most awkward and embarrassing? This is hard to believe, but it actually did not make the top three worst <laughs> travel mistakes. <laughs> Truly, I know. Um, no, we're we're going to be talking about another time that we destroyed a car, uh, but but not this one. Wow, this we led to terrible travel. <laughs> this led to our family putting like a block on us borrowing their cars for like years. Yeah, long story short, we we tried to take a winter road trip in France. Everything was closed. We were upgraded to a giant BMW which didn't fit anywhere, um, and then we got it stuck in a castle. Because I followed GPS because we wanted to see this really beautiful castle. It was Jeremy's fault. I'm just <laughs> saying that right now. <laughs> and I followed GPS and they tell, told me to keep turning right. And then eventually I look up and I'm in a courtyard and I have to like spin move my way out of there. So this time we're not going to be running a car. We're going to be taking the train and it's going to be fine and nothing bad is going to happen. Right, babe? I can't make any promises. All right. We'll try really hard. Amazing. Amazing. And let's get into some stories together, starting with... What has been the most rewarding travel experience together? That it, that moment that really made you two fall in love with traveling together or an interaction with a local that just blew you away or a destination or country that just took your breath away? What's uh, What's an experience like that that you'd have to share? So we had a unique experience this summer. One of our favorite countries in the world is Colombia. And we had the opportunity to go on a trip to Colombia with 16 of my students through an organization called Flight. Um, and they fund, uh, they, they sponsor students to go to another country for a couple of weeks, uh, low income students who don't get the opportunity to travel. It's uh, actually founded by Nomadic Matt. Um, it's the Foundation for Learning and Youth Travel Education. It's an awesome program. Highly recommend checking it out. Yeah, so our school was selected and we took 16 of our kids to Columbia and we've been, we've been to Columbia, I think like three times at that point. And so we were really used to it. But what was special was that as like veteran travelers, sometimes we get jaded by the experience and most of my students had never traveled anywhere. One of the students on the trip had never left the Bay Area. Um, I think only two of them had flown and to just experience that through their eyes and their experiences in the country were just amazing. We hung out with some local kids and they got to 
practice their Spanish with them and dance with them. Jeremy had designed a curriculum that basically connected the experiences and history of Oakland with the history of Colombia and focusing on a lot of the complexities between those two destinations. So we did things like visiting Palenque, which is a community founded by escaped slaves who um, ran away from plantations and enslavement in Cartagena like 400 years ago. And they've been living in this community with their own language and their own like culture and dance and music ever since. And so we took the students there. They got to do some volunteering. Um, it was absolutely incredible. And just like watching them make those connections between Oakland, where they you know grow up and where they live and Colombia and like listening to the brilliant things that they had to say about the experience was just I mean, to me that there's nothing that will ever compare. That was absolutely the best trip of my entire life. It was amazing. For sure. Yeah, that sounds incredible, actually. And uh, continuing on with, with your different experiences that you've had traveling, I want to get into the awkward, the embarrassing, or the hilarious travel experiences that you two have had on your travels. Do you have a story you'd want to share with our audience? So I think the the one that really tops the list for me is the time that we attempted to hike the Inca Trail to Machu Picchu and failed miserably. Um so basically, we we are very slow hikers, and this is about four months into our year-long honeymoon. So we, we had been hiking regularly before we left, but four months in, we were very out of shape. <laughs> and we tried to hike the trail, and like the first day, we were lagging so far behind the rest of our group that our guides um, pulled us aside, and they were like, we're, we're clocking you, and you can either start tomorrow at four in the morning and hike until about 8 p.m. at night. Um, or you can turn around and hike back. And we kind of just looked at each other and we decided to hike back. Um, and the embarrassing and awkward part was a few days later, we met back up with our group that had been hiking on the Inca Trail and they had made it. And they had this like amazing, like momentous, life-changing experience. Two of them had actually gotten engaged at the Sun Gate. And they were, we were like sitting at lunch with them after visiting Machu Picchu and we're feeling like embarrassed and, and horrible about ourselves because we had to hike back and de- admit defeat. And none of them even like remembered us. <laughs> like they didn't even know our names. We didn't know their names either. Um, but they're like passing around like a cell phone, like adding each other on Facebook, like sharing like wedding pictures. And they're just like awkwardly skipping us with the phone. And it was so uncomfortable. I was just like, okay, this, we're just going to pretend this never happened. And then, of course, you know, we wrote about it on our blog and put it in a podcast. And <laughs> that was like my favorite story because um, it was the most expensive, I think, failure. Oh, actually, no, it wasn't the most expensive failure. Second most expensive failure that we've ever done. But definitely one of the most awkward and embarrassing. Let's let's turn this into another direction and ask you to something that you've been through together, a negative experience, a, a bad experience or your worst travel experience that you've had together. Can you share a story like that with us? Yeah. Early on when we were dating, I think it was like four or five months. months in, six months six in, months. we took a road trip to Mono Hot Springs with two of our friends. She's in the Sierra Nevada mountains in California. And... It's it's like a it ended up being like a ten hour drive even though it was supposed to be eight hours because we kept getting lost and it was our first time doing like a camping trip by ourselves where we were the ones that were heading it up um, and we needed to turn back into town for this other long story but I went the wrong way and when I realized I turned around and hit a rock and basically ripped the 
ripped the bottom of Leah's car open. And we were like in the middle of nowhere in like the mountains, like deep in the mountains. Um, and our car just like started making weird noises and emitting weird smells. And then it died. And we had to hitchhike on the back of a pickup truck with some very friendly locals. They were um, awesome. They were great. They had pizza. That was a good time. And then we had to get like towed all the way back to civilization, which was like a 10 hour tow. And then it turned out that my car was totaled. And like, you think we would have just broken up. Like that could, really could have been it. And that was what I was thinking like the next 48 hours. I was like, well, this was fun. And I, to me, the fact that like stuck with me wasn't like, oh, my new boyfriend just totaled my car. Or, I don't have a car anymore. It was like. I don't want to kill this guy. I was like shocked at how cool I was about it. I was like, wow, I'm really okay. I'm glad that we're okay. I'm glad that we made it out. Okay. And I was like, this must be serious. I think this is the one, like any other human on the face of the earth, I would be murdering right now. Um, but actually it was fine. It like brought us closer together. We didn't have a car for the next three years, which helped us save up for our year long honeymoon. And it ended up being a funny story that brought us closer together. And we did not break up. We did not. Spoiler alert. Very proud of us. Wow, and definitely a relationship tester for sure to start off your relationship together. Mm-hmm. Yeah, big time. <laughs> so obviously you two have been through a lot together in your travels, in your lives. And my next question is, how has all of these experiences, how have they affected your relationship together? You touched on it a bit in that last that last answer there, but in what aspect has this affected your relationship and all these different experiences in your travels. I think that the ability to handle challenges, um, we're quite practiced at it now. I wouldn't say that we're like amazing at it, but we have a lot of experience with dealing with uh, horrible things that have gone terribly wrong. And I was kind of thinking of taking a year long trip together as like the ultimate marriage test. Like I was like, if we can get through this and still like each other at the end, it's probably for life, right? Like this is probably it. We have a year to get, you know, an annulment. So I was like, this is the big test. And there's nobody that I would rather spend every single waking minute of 365 days with. Like we literally spent every day, every minute together. And I never got sick of him. I actually like when we got back to real life and he and Jeremy went back to work, I was like, oh my God, eight hours a day where I don't get to hang out with you. Like I'm going to miss you. It's disgusting. I know. But it's definitely brought us closer together and and helped us handle whatever challenges get thrown away. We'll see if it helps with like kids. I don't know if that's a challenge that outweighs travel, um, but we don't know that yet. <laughs> what do you think, though? Um, for me, I think that traveling together long term has really helped us anticipate each other's needs and what like we're going to want. Like, mm-hmm. for instance, one of the biggest problems with um, travel partners is when you get like tired or uncomfortable or at worst, like hangry. Mm, hangry is the worst. And um, having experienced like a whole year of that, we can kind of tell when we're ramping up to that. And then even when we plan a trip, it's like, okay, well, I know that we're going to have to find a food place at this point mm-hmm. because one of us is going to be snappy. Yep. And we don't take it personally anymore. Like, now when Jeremy gives me the look, I'm like, this is a hanger look. This is a hanger snap. Like, I just need to give him, like, a protein bar and we'll be fine. And I don't take it personally when he gets snippy at me. Definitely. And it seems that you two have really learned about each other. And like you said, you 
you can tell you can tell that look you can uh know and plan ahead of time that you're going to be hungry at, at this time so this is the the moment that you're going to need to find somewhere to eat how has how has when something happens for example uh a car gets wrecked or you uh get trapped in a vehicle in a in a castle how do you handle these things together what's what's the process who kind of does somebody kind of take control of the situation or like how do you work this out together sometimes what it is is brought on by being out of our comfort zone so we have this thing that we ask each other is this surfing and the backstory of that is that leah went surfing and had the worst time anyone's ever had in any body of water and i'm including the people in jaws and so she was mostly upset about the whole thing because she was just really felt really vulnerable and uncomfortable by everything and so our like code is, is this surfing? And like, really, are you just like not comfortable with what's going on? And there's an underlying issue that I don't know of. There's also, we have a rule. Only one of us can be freaking out at a time. Like if we both start freaking out, that's when everything breaks down. Like we cease to function. But if one of us is freaking out, then the other one is on like comforting duty and they have to like get it done and like figure it out and like tell the other one it's going to be okay even if they're lying through their teeth um and we we do something we like call dibs like if jeremy is upset and i'm upset too but he says well i call dibs then i have to like get out of being upset and just force myself to be like in the comforting role and be like all right it's okay we're going to be fine. We'll figure it out. And then like three hours later, once things aren't so bad anymore, then he then I get to call dibs and then he has to make me feel better. Um, but we switch off like that. And that's what really works well for us. It always amazes me with all these couples that we interview, how everybody has their own mechanism, their own strategy to, to deal with it. And it, it, there's always a new one that comes up. And that's definitely a new one. And it's really, really interesting. Have you found that that really has helped you over the years and in, in developing it? Definitely. The problem is, like she said, when both of us have really good reason to be upset. Yes. That's when it that's when the system breaks down. Yeah, like one time we were hiking. And like I said, we're really slow hikers. And the hike took a lot longer than we thought it was going to. And so we ended up like hiking after dark. And this was in California. So there's like bears. Um, and we couldn't see anything. And the, we were hiking on slippery rocks. And we both like, hands down thought that this was how we were going to die. So I was panicked. And Jeremy was like, trying to be the one to make me feel better. And then he started panicking. And then as soon as I realized that he was panicking, I was like, oh, no, that actually means we are in literal danger. And then I panicked even harder. And then I think we both sat down and cried for an hour and had a panic attack. And then one of us remembered that we had flashlights in our bags and it was fine. But it was a really terrible hour. <laughs> I was I was literally going through my my brain of like all of the bear attack survival things you learn growing up in California. Yeah, we definitely learned always to bring a headlamp when we go on any length of hike. Continuing with this and these different strategies that you two have, have developed in your relationship, have you also developed a strategy for who takes care of what when you're planning a trip? Do you play to each other's strengths when you're planning a trip, or how do you go about that? So on our year-long honeymoon, Leah planned all of Colombia. We did a month in Colombia, and she was like, why don't you try to plan Ecuador? Yeah. See how you do, because, I again, I, I never traveled, and when I did travel, it was like, Oh, we're going to go visit your aunt in San Diego. And so I like 
stretched my planning wings there. And now uh, Leah has taught me all of her tricks and I plan everything. He has learned to fly. It like we completely switched. I used to be so good at planning and I planned everything. And then I like taught him everything I know. And then I forgot all of it. And now he does all the planning. I do all the research. So I'll like find all the things that I want to do in a place and just throw it into like a giant like word document. And then he'll go through and plan the logistics of like how to get from point A to point B, like what needs to be done in what order and that kind of thing. Um, and then basically I show up and he tells me where to go and what to do. And that is my favorite thing because I'm forever lost and confused and disoriented. So that works really well. And wrapping this part of the interview up, I have one last question for the two of you. If you have one piece of advice that you would give another couple out there that maybe hasn't traveled together yet or they're going on their first trip together, what's that one piece of advice that you would give them based on what you've learned together as a couple? I think for me, people individually have their own styles of travel and they're all valid. But traveling as a couple is its own type of experience. Like when I travel with Leah, it's not the same as it when I would be traveling alone, right? When have you traveled alone? I know, but I'm just saying. <laughs> I was like, uh, yeah, I didn't hear about that. <laughs> uh, but I think that like knowing that you're going to discover a different style together and being open to that. Yeah. For me, it's like, so before I traveled with Jeremy, um, my last trip as a couple had been with a previous partner and I actually broke up with him on the trip, uh, which was not my proudest moment. And I still feel bad about it. But what I learned is that a travel with somebody with your, your partner can like make or break you like a travel companion is something that uh, makes or breaks a trip and is very difficult to come by a travel companion who wants to do the same things as you do all the time. And that's like, whether it's your partner, whether it's your friend or your mom. Um, but when it's your partner, and you, cause you, then you want them to be your primary travel companion all the time. But if they're not a good fit for you, I think the important thing to remember is that you can just bring along somebody else next time to save your relationship. Like you don't have to break up with them just because they're not a good travel companion, but like maybe be okay with the idea of like bringing along, you know, your sister or your best friend instead so that you can do all the things that you want to do and maintain that relationship. We got really lucky because Jeremy and I have the same taste in everything when we travel, but that was not the case with the last guy. Except adventure sports. You don't like that at all. I don't like adventure sports at all, but I just stay home. I just, you know, sit in the hostel while you go and do crazy stuff. And then I get to hear about it later that day. And that's, that's fine. Is this, do you two have different things that you do when you're traveling? Uh, for example, different interests that you, you know, you may not want to do together, uh, and you maybe split ways partway through a trip just to, you know, be able to do what the other one wants to do? Or do you still do that stuff together? We're pretty lucky because most of our interests overlap. Um, but yeah, I would say adventure sports is, is the big one. And I, I tried it on our year long honeymoon. Like I really tried it, but I found out that I hate it. Um, I hate adventurous, like adrenaline rushy things and I'm bad at it, but Jeremy realized that he loves it. So he'll go and do like a canyoning tour or like a waterfall repelling thing. And I'll just like hang out in our hostel and like, write Or like, I don't know, look at myself in the mirror, whatever. doesn't matter, but <laughs> I'm not doing adrenaline rushing things anymore. Gotcha, gotcha. So let, let's talk about your everything that you two have got going on, on online and your lifestyle now, starting with where did the name Practical Wanderlust come about? How did you think about this and, and how did you get started with it? 
So this is actually a point of contention in our relationship. Who invented practical wanderlust? What? It was definitely me. What do you mean? No, it was me. We were like, we were throwing things out because the idea was that we wanted to have, we wanted our, the blog to be like practical tips because Leah is like super pragmatic, but also this like head in the clouds, um, idea. And we were just like spitballing one day. And then I, I swear it was me. I was mm-hmm. like practical wanderlust. Cause you were like, I like the word wanderlust and yeah. Maybe, but the, the real, like to me, it, it's exactly like that dichotomy. It's the practical side of me. That's like logistic and like, you know, point A to point B. And I need to know exactly what's going on all the time. And then it's, it's like the desire to just take off on a whim. And those two things are always fighting me like within me. I always want to just like take off on an adventure, but I'm always like, how, how are we going to pay for it? Where are we going to go? What time is the flight? Like those two things for me, like work in tandem. And we came up with the name probably like two or three years before we actually started blogging. Um, I actually did start the blog like as soon as we came up with it, but I broke it and I couldn't fix it. So I just let it sit there for two years um, and didn't touch it. And then I restarted it again three years later and now it's fine. So <laughs> So what made you two want to start this blog? What was the catalyst to to beginning this blog? And how long ago did you start it? For me, it was I was doing so much research for our year long honeymoon. And I was reading all of these blogs. And I wanted to kind of give back um, and like contribute some information that I learned while I was traveling and while I was compiling research. And also to write some of the travel blog entries that I didn't find and that I really wish did exist. So it was kind of out of that desire for me, like to provide information um, that's not currently out there necessarily. And like I said, I started, I like created the blog like five years ago and then it didn't go anywhere. And then I really started it again three and a half years ago. Um, and I started it on Blogspot, which was not a great place for it and then had to move it over to WordPress while we were in Ecuador, like two months later, which was not easy. Um, but it's, yeah, it's three and a half years old now. It's like a little toddler blog. With a blog comes so many different things with it, the social media and managing everything and all the writing and all, all the activities involved with it. It was the blog, the first thing to come and then did you stretch out into different social media channels? Did that come afterwards or, uh, like the blog came first? How did, how did this all evolve? So I started them all up at the same time. Um, Practical Wanderlust is not my first online venture. It's like my third or fourth, something like that. It's the first big one. Um, so I kind of had some experience with like SEO and social media marketing. And I knew that I was going to want to like reserve the practical wanderlust handle on all channels. So I did start them all up at the same time, but I didn't focus on them all equally at the same time. I kind of put Instagram on the back burner um, for like, years honestly it's still not quite there but I focused instead on Pinterest early on which was great because it drove us a lot of traffic to the blog pretty early um, which was really really helpful so I had them all I just wasn't like focusing on them all equally at first now let's talk about that a little bit when you're starting a blog or somebody wants to go in the direction of beginning uh, their blog and everything 
what would you recommend them start off doing? Because you mentioned a few things in, in, in this interview about starting on Blogspot and, you know, that was the wrong decision. You jumped over to WordPress. Uh, you claimed all your social media channels and you focused on Pinterest at first. Can you give us a little rundown maybe about how you're going to, how if somebody wants to start a blog, how they're going to go about doing that? Um, those are definitely some good tips, I think, that I learned through trial and error. Honestly, my first suggestion for anybody who wants to start a blog is to throw out all of the advice that you hear from like people who blog about blogging, just throw it out the window and ignore it and just start, just start, start it somewhere, start writing some stuff, post it online. It can, it's going to be terrible. You're not going to know it's terrible until you look back five years later and you're going to be like really embarrassed, but that's okay because that's how you learn how to blog. Everybody that has ever started a blog in the history of blogging has begun with a terrible site and some crappy blurry photos. And that's just how you have to, it's like a rite of passage. Like nobody has ever started a blog and it's good the first day. So I would say just forget trying to do it right or trying to do it perfect and get something online just right now. Um, as far as like logistics, I would say you want to be self-hosted as soon as possible. So you don't want to have like, you know, dot blogspot.com or something like that. Um, you want to have your domain.com and you can buy that pretty cheaply. Mine is with like Google domains. Um, and you want to have hosting. Doesn't really matter who your host is when you start off. Um, it can be honestly anyone. You can get hosting as cheap as like two or three dollars a month and that's totally fine. Everything else, you'll figure it out as you go and you'll figure out what it is that you're missing and what you don't know, like as you're in the process. Um, there's a lot of really great Facebook groups online uh, that can help you figure out how to blog and guide you along the way. Some of my favorites are female travel bloggers, make traffic happen, digital nomad wannabe. And then I actually run one as well. It's called slaying social. Um, and I have a blog also about travel blogging called slaying social. It's kind of like how to grow your platform and then how to wield your influence responsibly once you've got an audience that's paying attention. Um, so those, those would be my recommendations. So slaying social.com. Is that where our audience can go to check it out? Yep. And there's a link to the Facebook group on the site as well. Amazing. Incredible advice. And yeah, I agree. Just starting off, you know, getting something going and, and, uh, and, and just putting something on paper or putting something out there and just getting going. Is there any other advice in terms of, uh, getting some momentum, getting some traction, whether that be with a social media platform, Pinterest or, uh, or even your, your website and getting that traffic going. What's that, what's that one thing that you wish people would start off right away if they were going to invest a little bit more time than just putting something out there? A lot of people would probably say to start with SEO early on. I actually would caution against that because when you start writing for SEO, when you have like a keyword in mind that you're writing for, it changes the way that you write. And suddenly you go from having this very personal voice and maybe talking about your travels in sort of more of a diary format to writing for the purposes of the reader and what they're interested in, which is, I think, a shift that every blog has to go through at some point. But when you're first starting out, if you're not quite there yet, um, just write because you love it and write about what you want to write about and don't worry about the right way to do it and what those keywords are. But when you are ready to get 
kind of to the next level when you're ready to start getting more traffic and you've been getting frustrated maybe with your lack of traffic or something like that, that I think is the right time to start working on SEO because it does take about six months for you to see results from all of your hard work. Um, one of the much faster ways to get a lot of traffic going to your site pretty early on where you don't need to do as much waiting is Pinterest. Pinterest is like a visual search engine. So similar to Google, you'll be answering, you know, queries that people are searching, um, but it's much more based on the visual side of things. So I focus on Pinterest early and I was able to get um, significant traffic to my site much faster than Google, like than it took for Google to recognize my site and actually have me start ranking for keywords. Um, I do have a course about Pinterest that you can find on my Slaying Social site but it's it's something that you have to spend a lot of time on. Like SEO, you don't have to devote a lot of time. You just have to be really patient. Pinterest, you do have to devote a lot of time up front. But then once you've got that traffic and that those pins circulating, you can kind of go on autopilot and not spend that much time on it later. So it's like two different techniques to traffic that work really effectively. With everything that you've got going on online with Practical Wonder Wanderlust and your other projects that you've got going on, when you're traveling, when the two of you are traveling, how do you juggle all of this work? Uh, Jeremy, are you involved with with uh, Practical Wanderlust in terms of uh, what's going on with the website, uh, or the what? How do you juggle all this together? Most of the site is done by Leah um, and. And the team, but I do not have as much in the website as I used to. I used to write when we were traveling a lot. You write sometimes. Yeah. Now I mostly contribute for some articles, like some research. I do the pictures while we travel. You do the podcast. And I do the podcast. But he's got like a, you know, 60 to 80 hour a week job teaching. So I don't rely on him for a lot of it. What I do have is a team right now. Um, we've got about eight people that are working with me on Practical Wanderlust. So when I'm traveling, a lot of what I'm doing is just answering messages from my team to try to kind of make sure that they have what they need to be able to work. And then um, I kind of just clock off for the most part at this point. Um, I do Instagram stories when I travel and I put up my vacation responder and I try to schedule anything that has a deadline. So any sponsored posts, I just try not to schedule around times when I'm traveling and everything else can wait until I'm back. Okay. So when you're traveling, you two basically stick to the traveling. You might update, you know, your stories every once in a while, but when it comes to writing when you're on the road or trying to make the most of a destination, you two are pretty much there taking in the, the destination and pictures. We do. Um, yeah. We do pictures. We also have some itinerary posts. So we'll come up with an itinerary that we think would work. And then we sort of we do like a field test essentially. Yeah. So, and I take a lot of notes. I'm constantly taking notes on every single trip and I come back with like five pages of notes that I can then turn into a blog um, with using the notes. But for me, it's, you know, anywhere from like one to eight months <laughs> between my trip and actually posting a blog post from it, which isn't ideal, but, um, but it is what it is. I definitely prefer not to work while I'm on a trip because then I'm not really experiencing the destination. And the most important part of my job is finding out what a destination is all about and getting a story there. Um, and I don't want to be distracted from that by doing the actual writing. So other than photos and note taking, we are pretty much immersed in the destinations while we're traveling. 
And that's awesome. And Jeremy, with, with having a passion of teaching, how do you get the time? How do you find the time to be able to get out on, on these travels when, when you want to? Well, the good thing about being a teacher and, um, and running a blog is that, or a travel blog is that teachers have a fair amount of time to actually travel. You know, we have winter break. My school has a, a week off in February, which is huge. A uh, week off in April, and then there's summer. The problem is that that's always high season, but it's something that we've learned to navigate. The other thing is that we have like three day weekends. And so we will schedule out trips like a few months out based on how much time we need. For instance, Tahoe is a weekend trip for us or, you know, somewhere like, um, somewhere like Tempe, Arizona would be like three days. So all we wait till like a three day weekend. Whereas France, we're going to have to do that during winter break. So we sort of block it based on how much time we require in each location. Awesome. And you mentioned the podcast that you two have got going on. Can you tell our audience a little bit about your podcast, where they can find you, and uh, where they can check you out with that podcast? So it's called the Practical Wanderlust Podcast, and we're on all major channels. So we're on iTunes, Apple Podcasts. Spotify, Stitcher, Pocket Cast. Wherever podcasts are sold, we're there. Yeah, you can also find it on practicalwanderlust.com. And our podcast is, essentially, it's like our blog in podcast form. So we alternate between giving practical travel tips so that you can avoid making all of our terrible mistakes and talking about our most ridiculous travel stories um, and doing a lot of storytelling. So whether you just want to listen and you don't have a trip planned and you just want to hear about like some fun, ridiculous, awful things that we did, or you are planning a trip and we've got your destination covered, um, we've got episodes for both of those coming. We've only got two. We just launched it, but we've got a lot more coming. We've already got several of them recorded, and I think we've locked ourselves into like a whole season or two because we keep realizing that we have to do an entire episode about some of our ridiculous, horrible travel fails. Um, so yeah, it's been really exciting. We, we are so stoked to have a new podcast. And new episodes should come out every other Monday is what I think we are sticking to right now. Yes. Gotcha. We'll definitely be following along with it. Excited to hear more about your stories. And kind of wrapping this interview up, I've got one last question I want to ask the two of you. You've learned a lot since your beginning of starting your blog and, and traveling together. You've, I, I'm sure you've learned a lot and been, been able to apply a lot to your lives. But what is that one thing that you wish you had known from the very beginning? That one thing that you know now, you wish you'd known from the very start. Could be blog related, could be travel related, could be relationship related. But what's that one thing you'd wish you'd known? For me, the big realization throughout this journey, um, since we took our year long honeymoon and started blogging is that it's okay to not have the perfect time. Like we had this idea before we went on our honeymoon that we were going to become like this perfect, like Instagram couple. And we were going to be really fit and we were going to be really attractive and do yoga at sunrise every morning. And what actually happened is that we were just ourselves in various exotic locations around the world. We are not particularly athletic or attractive and that's just fine. And sometimes we go to beautiful places and have horrible times and make all the wrong decisions and have all the worst things happen to us. And that's also okay. We got great stories out of it. We managed to have a good time anyway. Even sometimes we have a shitty time and we still get a good story out of it, but it's all, it's all okay. It's okay to just show up 
and not like it as much as that influencer that you follow on Instagram or as much as your best friend thought that you would. It's okay to have high expectations for a place and then have it not be met. And it's okay to not like become a different person as a result of traveling. Travel doesn't have to be transformative. Sometimes it can just be a great time or a interesting story. Um, and that's something that's taken me a long time to come to terms with because I'm not the best traveler by any means, but I still love it so much. Um, and I've learned to let myself make mistakes and be okay with it. Something I've learned is that there's no right or wrong way to travel. Um, what I urge people to do though, is to travel responsibly and ethically is like the one thing mm-hmm. I have a tendency to be, to be like, a little bit judgy. Um, and I'd have to keep reminding myself, like everyone's travel style is theirs. And like Leah said, it might be that a place doesn't vibe with you and that's okay because you know, it's, it just might not be your place. And the practical tip that I think I would have is never underestimate the value of loungewear in your luggage. Wow. Yeah. We really do a lot of sitting around when we travel. (laughs) So that's, that's a very us tip. Yeah. Good one. But yeah, traveling ethically and responsibly is something that's also a journey that we're still on um, and is definitely not something that we knew very much about when we started. That's a really good, a really good one. Yes, absolutely. In a, in a similar journey that we find ourselves on. And I think that's a good as part as any to end this interview and say thank you so much. Thank you so much, Leah and Jeremy, for for joining us here. It uh, really great advice in this episode, and really appreciate you too. Thanks for having us. Yeah, we had a blast. Thanks so much. And well, there you have it, Leah and Jeremy sharing their travel stories with you today on the To the Nations Worldwide Travel Couple Podcast. I just want to give you to the floor. Let our audience know one more time where they can check out your website, uh, your blogging website, and also your podcast and anything else you want to share with our audience before we leave you. You can find us at practicalwanderlust.com or on Instagram or Facebook at Practical Wanderlust. I'm not even going to say Twitter and Pinterest because they don't really matter that much. Um, we do have a podcast. You can find it, the Practical Wanderlust podcast, on Spotify, on iTunes, Apple Podcasts, Pocket Casts, wherever you get your podcasts. And we have a YouTube channel now, and there's only like 100 people following it, so we would actually really appreciate it if you did follow us on YouTube. That would be great. <laughs> uh, and we have a newsletter, but you can sign up for it on the website. I think that's all. <laughs> Thank you to all of our listeners out there to the nations worldwide. We cannot express our appreciation enough for having you listen to today's episode. Visit us at travelcouplepodcast.com slash 86. That's this episode, episode number 86's show notes page. Leave a comment on the page. Let us know about your travels together with your significant other. We'll be sure to get back to you. And if you'd be so kind, please subscribe, leave a rating and a review on your favorite podcast app for this travel couple podcast really helps us get this podcast out there into more people's ears and really helps us get more guests onto the show. This is Mike Pletz and Natalie hoping you have a wonderful adventure to the nations worldwide.